time to get real. I want to see some crazy whizbiz. What's the I want to see some of that whizbiz. This castle is Welcome, listener, to WizBiz with Alex and Eric. This is a podcast that may or may not be about Adventure Time. And this episode, we're going to be covering Season 1, Episode 1 of Adventure Time, which was called Slumber Party Panic. I am Reverend Eric, one of your hosts. Uh, I am uh, also the host of the Arnomancy podcast and a weirdo, I suppose, and I am joined by my co-host, Alex. Uh, Alex, would you like to introduce yourself, or would you like me to introduce you? Ooh, that's fun. Okay, how about you go first, and then I'll then I'll mock you for what you missed. All right, well, Alex is uh, one of the co-hosts of John and Alex Hates Stuff podcast, which is a podcast about liking movies. Uh, he's also an author of fiction, of novels and short stories. And you can find all of his work on Amazon. I'm sure there will be a link to that in the show notes. And there will be a link to my stuff in the show notes. But, you know, I know this is just the first episode, so you don't really, really care about that yet. What you really care about is uh, Adventure Time. So and Adventure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I watched this uh, episode for probably the 80th time this morning. And it's, to, you know, it's it's a good one. It You know, it's their first episode. It's got lots of great quotable lines, including, you know, Finn yelling mathematical and stuff like that. Yes. And it introduces a lot of characters that have really significant story arcs way later on, including Starchy. Yeah, uh, Princess Rainicorn. Or, Princess Rainicorn yeah. is right there. And Princess Rainicorn and Jake are already dating. So this is... This tree is my... Trunks. Oh, yeah, Tree Trunks is the mm-hmm. My main takeaway from this episode, which I was very surprised by, was, was how mature it was for what the... Because this, Adventure Time as it goes on, no spoilers, but becomes a much more uh, plot-heavy, interconnected, weird... I've claimed that it's the cartoon version of the Mahabharata towards the end. Mm-hmm. It is... Uh, like, it's actual text you can study. But generally in my head, I'm like, ah, season one, that's... You know, you don't... That's not... That's the kids' episodes. But I'm surprised, like, how much was here? Like, there's... Most of the building blocks of this stuff... I mean, the first episode is literally fucking uh, cart candy necromancy. I know, I know. It's <laughs> crazy candy necromancy, but it's science. That was one thing that I was thinking about is um, there are some later episodes where Princess Bubblegum makes it really, really clear that she uh, thinks magic is 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 bullshit, right? And that everything is just super advanced technology. But in this episode, you have this whole thing with like Finn breaking a royal promise and the gumball guardians like freezing time and bringing Finn up for this grand test and, you know, all this sort of stuff happening that is incredibly uh magical and also kind of like a legendary magical sort of environment uh, and princess bubblegum doesn't really seem to blink an eye at it and at the same time she is doing her weird science necromancy on the dead uh candy people yeah well i mean so that's the what's it arthur c clark you know any sufficiently advanced technology is going to be indistinguishable from magic from a you know an early uh, lower uh what do you call it civilization right 
Right. I, that's I, all that quote is exactly what Arthur C. Clarke said. The stammering in the middle, they usually cut out to put like a little ellipsis. Uh huh. Yeah, I've it. seen I've seen that on Wikipedia. But the bit where it goes, you know, that thing where the like where Arthur C. Clarke forgot the word civilization and he hemmed it on for a minute. Uh-huh, that's uh-huh. exactly that's actually the real quote. But yeah, that's that is the thing is it's technology that looks like magic, which is probably what it is. All right, so yes. You you host another podcast called Arna Mancy. Mancy meaning look at me. I'm 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 a guy that does magic. Uh huh. Yeah. What, that's what it that's is. That's Greek. Latin. Oh, it is Greek, isn't it? Maybe. Is magic technology? I think parts of it are. I think it's. I think that when you're talking about a fantasy world like Adventure Time, you're not talking about magic the same way that we might look at it in the real world. No, I mean real world. Let's we're talking real world. Right? Real world. Uh, is it technology? I'm not sure. I think it's. I think it's more art than technology in a lot of ways. I think that there is technology that is used in magic. I think that there might be some element of it that is I don't know perhaps like the technology of consciousness or the technology of. Uh, our experience of the cosmos or something but there's a really good question i feel super put on the spot and i want to ask you what do you think like you you do chaos magic and have piles of tarot cards behind you and stuff and this a is book true. about ufos the book about ufos was brought here by a guest okay so what do you think is uh, magic technology so i think magic is technology in the same way uh writing down words is technology that you are inscribing something into reality. Now, how magical you want to be when you talk about writing, mm-hmm. but you are manifesting an idea from some ethereal space or your brain, you know, whatever, whichever way you want to take it. You're putting it through a meat engine and putting it onto a computer or on some vellum or on some paper. I feel like all of that are elements of machinery. And Terrence McKenna talks about the, you know, mechanical elves, so... Uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, okay. Okay. so I think it's technology in the same way. Yeah. In the same way, like, I think maybe if you think of chemistry as a technology, you know, that it's, well, yeah, of course, chem, well, I mean, chemistry is a science, but it produces technology. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about the, but what, what difference is it between putting a widget on a cog than putting a hydrogen molecule on an oxygen molecule? Uh, no difference. Yeah. So if you like from the abstract and for a while, like the whole chaos magic thing, I always thought of it as computer programming and mm-hmm. what you're doing is, and not like, Ooh, you're hacking the universe, which I guess you can't say that if you want to be dramatic, but you are, you know, you go to a website and you see that HTTPS and you're just deleting the S and getting into like the little, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the not secure aspect of, of reality. <laughs> okay. But, but okay. since you come from a ceremonial magic background, that's kind of why I asked it to you is like, if to me, ceremony feels like technology. Yeah, you know, I guess um, over time, my feelings on that have kind of changed. Uh, So I started off doing a lot of ceremonial magic, but I guess, yeah, it's tough to say. I think that it kind of also might depend on your approach. I think for some people, the ceremony and all that stuff is the technology of magic. Is I don't know. I don't know. I think, so here's, here's the thing that I think is different. I think that in fantasy worlds, a lot of times you have this sort of concept of like, you know, this magical energy that like the wizards or magic users can like draw upon, you know, like, uh, have you seen the dragon prince, the cartoon, the dragon prince? I have very much seen it and I really liked it. Well, so you know that in the dragon prince, there are like two different sources of magic where people can either pull from, I can't remember the names of any of it. I haven't watched the, 
haven't watched it in a while, but you know, there's like the human magic, which pulls from like that dark corrupting source. And then there's like the elf magic or the dragon magic, which is more natural and blah, 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 blah. But the, so the magic is sort of seen almost as like a supernatural force that exists in some sort of pool. It's like, you know, in role-playing games when you get like magic points or whatever, you know, you have like this source of, of otherworldly power. Like the crypto mana in this book here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have another book of crazy 1960s, uh, you know, kind of vaguely uh, Eastern <laughs> nonsense that I yeah. found on the internet and printed out. <laughs> One point they talk about it like uh, section four, subsection E, uh, sub uh, header F it says crypto mana. Crypt- so yeah, yeah, your, your mana points. Uh, right, yeah. right. But see, I don't think that that's how... Uh, at least in European magic, I don't think that's how magic was really viewed. Magic was sort of viewed as kind of like the in- something that arose out of the interconnectedness of all things. It was a, it was an innate feature of reality, and so magic wasn't necessarily, you know, pulling from something that was opposite of science. It was the same stuff as science. Yeah, it was basically just how you use your knowledge to, you know, to advance whatever so uh yeah i guess in that sense maybe in some ways it is a technology in some ways it's something else that my views on magic ever since i started working on the agrippa project have really really changed a lot and i and i don't know that they have settled down well enough that i can have a really concise answer as we can tell here i'm not being concise well i mean the good thing is we got nothing but time we're a podcast where we're supposed to talk to each other for a while so we can just ramble on about nonsense so the the thing about technology which i find interesting technology magic as technology is this is like on um let's say tv shows supernatural for instance uh-huh. which i've not seen a lot of but i have seen them they do like magic stuff but it's like well all you have to do is draw the thing uh, you have to subdivide it by, you know, putting a pentagram in the middle and then write the right runes and mm-hmm. light a candle and say the magic spell and it works. At that point, although it's magic, it, it stops kind of being magic because it's reproducible mm-hmm. and testable. It now enters into the realm of science, weirdly enough, because like in the same way you pour, I don't know, uh, salt on a snail and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I can observe this. Well, all you do is you say to the to the North Michael, to the East Uriel or whatever, mm-hmm. and if you say it the right way a wall of protection comes up, you go, oh, cool, now now this is science. Yeah, it's like have... Evangelion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just <laughs> thinking like in, in something like that where, you know, you have to make the, the right circle of the right symbols on the floor and suddenly you have a demon trap. Like, yeah. can't you just program a Roomba to do that for you? A hundred percent. And the Roomba can then just go put a demon trap in every room and you can just sort of sit back and relax. Yeah. In magic, the way that it's sort of portrayed in, in Western esotericism in the in the, you know, I'm doing finger quotes right now. Yes, I can attest uh, it. Real world. <laughs> okay, finger quotes over. <laughs> it's it's not just a mechanical operation in the physical world as much as it is something that kind of unites uh, something that you're doing in the physical world with something that's happening in the imaginal world inside you, inside your own imagination and soul, and something that is happening in sort of the celestial world or the world that's sort of above you. So the unifying force between whatever's happening in the material and whatever's happening in the celestial is the human's imagination, the human soul, and the ability of, for us to basically create with our imaginal faculty. So I think that that's, uh, that precludes Roombas from... <laughs> from well, does it? Because, I mean, Roomba, we, we program the Roomba, so maybe a part of our kind of... You know, the imaginal state is like... But you have to have the right image then. So you could use a Roomba. 
But you have to program it to make the pentacle. While the Roomba yeah. is doing the pentacle, you have to be there with it. Yeah. With your imaginal power active. And there has to be something going on at the Roomba that ties it to your imagination while your imagination is tied to the celestial world. What if you're an adorable cat that's also a wizard that likes riding your Roomba? Can the cat put its, like, can the cat sit there and concentrate while it's on the Roomba and then, like, magical tuna just shows up? I think if there's anything we've learned from Adventure Time, uh, the answer to that question is yes. That is the whiz of it all. And I feel like uh, to a cat sometimes, the cause, so cats cats have like ritual ceremonial behavior where they like repeat things, right. you know, the, so they get into this mindset of like, oh, you know, if I uh, jump on the couch three times, scratch on the door a hundred times, uh, meow loud enough, uh, all of a sudden there will be tuna in my bowl. So... For them, that might be that might be a magical ritual, whereas for their human, it might be like, oh, my God, the cat's being so annoying. I'm just going to give it the tuna. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's how maybe that's how prayer works. <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's why Christians act like that. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> oh. Shot to the guts. <laughs> so hey, we talking about cats. We uh, I asked on. Twitter. I'm at Alex Ball One. Alex with two X's. He's Arnamancy at Arnamancy. Uh-huh. With uh, zero X's. With zero X's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can put them in. It just won't, you know, it'll stop it functioning. It yeah. Uh, we asked if anybody wanted us to talk about something. And that just reminded me. Somebody, I think it was Steph Quake, asked about familiars. Familiars? Are familiars, like, remotely real in any kind of, like, actual w- witchcraft? Or is that just shit they came up with, you know, for, for uh, fables? Well, I mean... Familiars uh, definitely show up in a lot in, um, you know, medieval and early modern literature about witches and stuff about witch hunting and stuff like that. No, but is it like Malleus Maleficarum kind of stuff? It's just bored white people that love Jesus making shit up about witches? Or like, is it based on some shit that witches did? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that we really uh, can know. Um, but, but I mean, you know, there's definitely... If you look in, uh, you know, some of our oldest existing magical texts, there are plenty of rituals and things for summoning familiar spirits. Uh, you don't really get the sense that they're necessarily visible or anything yeah. like that. But familiar spirits are definitely things that we have rituals for going oh, way, way, Yeah, way I meant back. more the classic uh, uh, Azrael to Gargamel kind of. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know... A lot of people have had cats. Well, that's what I was just thinking is everybody really, likes cats. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, how many times have you ever met a cat that's going to do what its owner says? Truth. You yeah. know, people don't. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's not like I've never seen one. <laughs> Let me yeah. put it that way. And I mean, I've had cats while I was a practitioner for sure. You know, I haven't had cats in a few years, but. Well, there's uh, all those old you know uh monks writing uh, on vellum and then you'll see like an ink spill on cat in paw prints uh-huh, and like uh-huh. the one i think it's pompeii that there's in like fresh whatever oh, yeah, you call it, like the roof tiling yeah there's yeah. like a little uh cat paw because like the asshole cat wouldn't leave the guy alone while he's trying to make <laughs> roof tiles so I, I you know it's probably something along those lines of just yeah everybody likes cats so of course yeah. magicians are gonna have cats and then people just kind of like wrap wrap that up into oh yeah the whole yeah. thing yeah. and uh, you, you know uh i was thinking when you were talking about the monks you were going to bring up like all the weird pictures of like cats licking their assholes and stuff oh that's that you too. end yeah. up in the marginalia of manuscripts i love i love all of that stuff yes. because monks were such horrible artists they would draw the worst looking cats and still take time to like color them in yeah uh the, my favorite of those one marginalia beautiful word two my favorite of those is, for some reason, they had this whole thing with knights fi- fighting giant snails. 
Yes. I like that too. It's such a weird, I mean, it really gets me like kind of time traveling to that time. I'm just like, like when I was young, I did that cool S, you know, uh-huh. like the, we called it the Stussy yeah, the cool S back then. Yeah. But the, yeah, the cool S. And like over the years, that's been rediscovered by people. But back then they were doing snails fighting, you know. So that, uh, yeah, the giant snail thing, uh, when I first came across that on the internet, it reminded me, uh, do you, you remember the Dragonlance novels? They were, a oh, yeah, seri- yeah. yeah. So in, I think the first or second Dragonlance novel, they fight a giant snail or maybe it's a giant slug. Anyhow, a giant gastropod yeah. of some sort. And it's like this big, fearsome, ferocious beast that they have to defeat. Um, and I remember getting the, uh, uh, the the adventure module for that when I was a kid and just being surprised at how difficult it is to defeat giant snails. They are yeah, they are tough. Well, yeah, and, they got like a big hard shell around yeah, them. Yeah, and they've I got mean, like 12 hit dice. Yeah, they're tough. 12? Jeez. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is difficult. I know, it's more hit points than a hill giant. <laughs> I think, though, it might be time for our first segment. Oh, I have one, though. Speaking of which. Can I introduce the segment? Well, you don't know which one we're going to do yet. Oh, you're, you want to introduce the segment. I do, only okay. because it's apropos. Mm. Uh, Eric and I are going to talk about what we're watching, what we're reading, what we're creating, things along those lines, kind of mm-hmm. updates with one another. What I'm watching is Stranger Things Season 4. Me too. Which features a lot of D&D rolling. It does. And there is a beautiful sequence in the first-ish episode where they're uh, cutting back and forth between an epic throw that uh, the, the the player needs to hit a D20 uh, crit roll to, to end the campaign successfully, cutting back and forth to a high school basketball game where a guy has to hit the, the last second three-pointer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is delightful. This, this shows everything about the way I was raised. <laughs> and I love how, oh, it, it, should we say that, oh, I mean, by the time this comes out, everybody will have seen this season already. I mean, I feel like as long as we don't spoil it, only because I haven't seen the last episodes yet. So I haven't seen the last episodes yet either. So anyhow, uh, just this this particular thing, the thing that's so beautiful about it is, you know, both sides. Like, the basketball dude gets the three-pointer. The D&D person rolls the nat 20. Yeah. Everybody is super excited and celebrating. And then when the groups come back together, of course, everything goes wrong. Because, yes. Because you have to have things. drama. Yeah. You have to have drama. How, how are you liking? I've seen the first... Non-spoiler thing to tell you what episode on because I don't remember is they went to Utah. I think that's the last one I watched. Okay, also. so we're very close. To I kind okay. of lost track. I I was uh, binge watching them while I was on vacation in Gig Harbor, and it was the sort of thing where we were watching them late at night and you know smoking some extremely legal marijuana. Extremely legal. Extremely legal. Wow. Uh, I get mine from the guy to... at Surfer Dude uh, <laughs> a Pizza or the hell. Buds are us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess we don't have to really call it super legal anymore, huh? It, anyhow, I was, we were smoking marijuana and it was late at night on a weekend. And so we were watching these episodes and they were so good that we kept watching. But I'm sure a lot of details didn't make it through my brain because we also yeah. watched like, I don't know how many episodes we watched, but we watched multiple episodes a night for a couple nights in a row. And that's a lot of Stranger Things to take in at once. Yeah, I did the same thing. Not the getting high. Well, I got a little high, uh, but not a ton. Uh, and watched the first, like, I don't know, three. But this season, they're they're super long episodes, so yeah. that's like a big commitment. Or yeah. it's a, you know, I it avoids the real world for a while, and that's why <laughs> I did it, because it's escapism. Those extra long episodes do make it kind of tough to... You know, when an episode is under an hour long, it's easier for me to be like, oh, yeah, I could just watch that during my lunch hour while I'm eating lunch at home because, yeah. you know, I work from home. Man. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm very fancy. Wait, so was this the the segment you wanted to do? I don't know what we're going to call it. What are you? What are we reading slash watching? Slash. Oh, okay, that's a horrible doing... name for a segment. But maybe we could ask our audience. What should you? No. Oh, you know we can what? call. We oh. could call it slash fiction. So everybody out there, just search for slash fiction, and it'll <laughs> it'll be Alex and Eric talking about the fiction that they are reading. <laughs> Do people still make slash fiction? I believe so. Okay. Well, I know in the last few years I've seen it for... Actually, The Dragon Prince, I know I, I saw reference to... Um, I don't remember. The, the lady that becomes kind of a dark witch that I don't remember any of their names. Anyhow, Alex yeah. with three X's is a famous yes. Dragon Prince slash fiction author. I do believe there's a porn lady that's Alex with three X's. <laughs> I mean, it's two X's. I don't even know. But there, there is an Alex with multiple X's that is in the... Uh, Adult entertainment industry. What what else are you doing? What are you got any other uh, reading, writing arithmetic to share? Yeah, well, I've been. I mean, I guess uh, you know I've been pretty deep in the Agrippa project, so I've been. Why don't reading... you uh, why don't you tell them what the Agrippa project is? Because okay, there's a slight chance that someone that doesn't know who you are and listens to your show uh, finds this show. Okay, so this is a project that I've been working on uh, since probably December, and it is a uh, podcast series. It's a podcast series that is sort of a documentary deep dive into the three books of occult philosophy by Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa, uh, which was originally published in the 1530s. But in the last couple of years, have been, there have been a couple of brand new English translations that came out. Um, and it's been really fun. You know, I've been talking to lots of experts. I've been, and the episodes are like fully scripted, which is really, really different for me. So I'm writing the scripts, I'm doing these interviews, and I'm chopping them up. And there's lots of editing and stuff involved. I wasn't really, really prepared for the amount of work it would be, although uh, I'm really close to done at this point, and that feels good. The last few episodes have been pretty slow, but I think I think everything is mapped out well enough that the final ones are going to come out at the right pace. But that's required a lot of additional reading. So outside of that, I've been checking out ebooks from the library, and I have been reading the uh, Marcus Didio Falco Mysteries, which are a series of mystery novels that take place in ancient Rome. And they are super nerdy and super delightful. I've been enjoying those. And I've been uh, reading the Brother Cadfell Mysteries. I don't know what either of these are. uh, Brother Cadfell is is like a Welsh monk from the 1200s, I think. Oh. And uh, yeah, it's just mystery, historical mystery novels. They're they're basically my um, brain candy. Oh. It's it's where my brain goes to rest when I'm like, please let me stop reading wizard books for half an hour, an hour, yes. anything like that. So that's kind of what I've been reading. Uh, although right now I'm reading something really good. This is an excellent book. It is Blood and Thunder, the epic story of Kit Carson and the conquest of the American West by a dude with a name that doesn't sound very real, Hampton Sides. Hampton Sides. That does not sound like a real name. No. Um, Sides, I kind of buy, but Hampton Sides. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, eh, whatever. <sighs> Some New Englander, probably. What's that one? It's uh, the story of Kit Carson. and I have no idea who Kit Carson is. Uh, he was a uh, trapper and military man in the mid-19th century who was part of American, the American Western expansion towards the Pacific Ocean. Is he why there's shit named Carson, like Carson City? Oh, yeah. Carson okay. City's named after him. Okay. It's really, it's gripping. 
you know, I enjoy uh, history books, but I'm always really prepared for them to be very, very dry, dusty reading where you kind of have to slog yeah. through a lot of stuff. This guy, Hampton Sides, is an incredible writer. Like, his his prose is just really gripping, and it's a really, really delightful book. Um, but it's also kind of long, so this is uh, and and everybody apparently wants to read it. Checking it out from the library has been difficult, so this is the, my second checkout. I'm about two thirds of the way done with it and um, enjoying going through it. So, uh, Blood and Thunder—that's uh, probably the best thing that I'm reading right at the moment. So I've been reading for the past I don't know year. I've been trying to do a dive on underrepresented writers in my, you know, my my library. And I've decided that is women because uh-huh. inexplicably, like everybody I read is a dude. Mm-hmm. And then people of color because everybody I seem to read is white with the exception of uh, I read a lot of Japanese stuff, but uh-huh. mostly everybody else is white. And then I was uh, while I'm on it, I'm like, I'll try it out. Let's see if I can find any uh, non-binary kind of trans writers. Uh-huh. Uh, so I've been doing this just to, and I'm not, this isn't some like, ooh, I'm trying to be woke thing. I just literally... As somebody that that's a writer and likes to read, I it's feel good like to expand your horizons. Yeah, period. and it's kind of embarrassing to be like, how, especially the the women, because you know, statistically, it's going to be harder to find non-binary writers. You know, the just yeah. percentage wise, it's going to be more difficult. Uh, but they, you know, women. I don't know if you know this. Like, like half of people are women. Yeah, and like m- maybe a sixteenth of what I've read are by women. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I've been going through that and just trying to push through. Uh, but I'm currently reading to, to to various extent but i'm currently reading the uh the dark fire trilogy which is uh the a lady wrote it it's fantasy with a touch of sci-fi no it's just fantasy mm-hmm. but interestingly enough it's it's very related to what we were talking about earlier spoiler alert a bit i'm like a third of the way through the book so if this is a spoiler then whatever dude <laughs> suck it up it's very, very distant future, and we've colonized another planet, and their magic is somewhat real. It's like uh, the fey lines, they call it, or the fey currents. Uh-huh. And it's, it's almost like weather. The kind of struggle is that humans can sort of use it, but it's, it's it's like weird and awkward, and it's it's very, yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting thing. But I'm like, as I said, like maybe a third, a fourth of the way uh, through it, and it is, it's interesting, but it is stuff I've read before, and I find myself going, "Is this sexist if I stop reading this book?" I mean, it isn't, but yeah. like because I went into this like trying to find you know underrepresented voices in my collection, mm-hmm. finding one kind of, ah, okay, just um, I don't really feel like doing this right now. It's a little, uh, I mean, know? they're they're fine. This is literally not a knock on it. It's just in my, I don't know. I'm going to say about from 11 to 15 years old. I just read fantasy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me so too. Fantasy I've, and science fiction. I'm like, I'm so awash in it that it, you've got to be doing some weird backflips for me to really stay interested. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I totally understand that. I read so much fantasy and science fiction when I was a kid. And yeah, the female writers were definitely underrepresented. Uh, oddly enough, uh, I could be wrong, but those two uh, historical detective series I mentioned, yeah. I think both of those series are written by women. Oh, really? I know that the Marcus Didio Falco one is. Uh, I'm not sure about the Brother Cadful mysteries. I'd have to look that up. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I was. I've, I've thought about that a lot too. I guess it's tough because I want to live in a world where I don't really care if the author is male or female or yeah, you know, 
what color their skin is or what their sexual orientation is and all that kind of stuff. I really don't want to care, but I do feel like it's important to sometimes make an effort to make sure that you're not living in a weird little bubble that you've accidentally created. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think about that too sometimes. Yeah, um, for me, the the main problem is like it's it, like especially the woman, the the female example. I mean, it's literally fifty percent. That yeah. should be so. It's you know with with like non-binary trans writers and more coming out. So like it's actually going to be easier. But for like published works, what's that? You know, a tenth of a percent maybe. It's, it's yeah. So you've got a really small pool. So it's like okay. It's understandable, but I mean that I feel like you should go out of your way because it's a voice you haven't heard. Uh, but the not caring aspect is if everybody is represented equally, that would be that's the promised land of you wouldn't have to worry about it. But people aren't represented equally. They are know? not represented. Fifty percent of books aren't, or fifty percent of popular books aren't by women. Like it's not true. It, we're not, and people of color don't have the same representation. It's so I think as people that are interested in the written word, it's kind of important to go that way. You know, it's hard for a lot of the stuff that I study since when you go back to like early modern writing and especially when it comes to like ceremonial magic or occult books and stuff, there is nothing except white dudes yeah. writing it. Uh, you, you know, you can go and I mean, it's def definitely geographical, so you can go outside. But like, you know, if you want to read Arabic texts, it's going to be pretty much all or Muslim, you know, it, it's going to be all Muslim Arabic writers who are writing it. If, so any region you go to, it's it's fairly homogenized. So yeah. you have to kind of, I don't know. It's but it, it is tough. And I had trouble. I, I struggled with this actually with the um, Agrippa series that I'm working on because I realized that like it it was really really difficult to kind of spread out or to to find like a diverse set of voices to talk about Agrippa because the only people who pay attention to Agrippa are people who look like us yeah at some point 27 I, years old <laughs> washboard abs handsome handsome men people perfect that look like us hair yes perfect hair perfect hair <laughs> uh the other book i want to bring up uh because i just i feel like i'm i'm shitting on everybody in my my exploration of under underrepresented writers <laughs> is uh sherry s tepper grass i really enjoyed sherry s, s. tepper is the tepper. author okay. the book is grass it's the first of the r by trilogy uh-huh and it's uh it's traditional sci-fi and it's really fucking good uh it's just super well done it's supposed to be the first of a trilogy i don't really see where the story goes afterwards but i'll probably you know maybe maybe in later years i'll, I'll revisit it but for a first book it's man it's really good some interesting ideas it feels it's probably sexy to say but it feels different like it feels mm -hmm. like a i'm reading a bit of a different voice than, I, than i'm accustomed to are you and, going to uh Make a list of all these books for the show notes. I I mean, I'll pretend I will and I'll all right. 100% forget. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to need an intern. <laughs> Anything else you're watching? I am a massive, giant, enormous, holy shit fan of Better Call Saul. Okay. Which I think is one of the best written shows that's ever existed. It is fantastic. And the final season is happening now. How does it make you feel? It's great-ish. The it's... first few... So... <laughs> I'm I'm struggling to say this because I don't want to spoil anything. But there, how do I say this without any kind of okay? So it's the season is bifurcated, and the the kind of mid season finale happened. Knowing what happens in the mid season finale has made me go back and rethink the first chunk of episodes and why they are like that. And now I've upon reflection, because when watching them, I was like, this is not 
this is not the show I've been in love with. It's still terrific, but it's not the like legitimately like I'm very impressed by every episode show. So it's not really as good as Adventure Time. <laughs> I mean, this is actually a really tough question. Is Adventure Time better than can Better you, Call Saul? Can you compare them though? That's the other thing. I don't. I don't know that. No, I don't think you can. But yeah, just pure enjoyment. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So Better Call Saul, uh, uh, season six, I think, right now. The first five seasons are nearly flawless. There is some storytelling in there that is so fucking good. Uh, and the first few episodes, are like, oh, this might be a little boring. This might have kind of missed what I was coming from. And then the events of the mid-season finale is like, oh, no, now I see why these were a little slow. Like, now I get it. This last few episodes are going to be pretty goddamn impressive. That sounds pretty good. So the the audience at home, uh, Better Call Saul is terrific. You should watch it. Uh, some of the best acting you're ever going to see. So also out right now, there's uh, Obi-Wan. Mm. Um, I've watched the first few episodes of that, and it's pretty excellent. Really? Yes. Yeah. I am very surprised for to hear you say that. I think you're going to like it. Oh, I've watched it. I don't like it at all. You don't like it okay, at all. Okay, let me take that back. It's not that I don't like it at all. I think it has nothing to say. I'd, it is a, it is a spoonful of sugar. <laughs> like, it is just, oh, look, remember this stuff? That guy you like's doing things. Hey, look, there's somebody else you like. They're doing stuff. Oh, does that break canon? Who gives a shit? It, but what about that part where a suppository falls out and he dives into that toilet world to go get it? I don't know what you're referencing. Trainspotting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Trainspotting in like 20 years. But it's Obi-Wan. Yes. No, you are correct. Ah, I don't, I'm not trying to like yuck your yum, as the kids say. And by the kids, I mean 40-year-old men. It just, it has, it, it feels like there's, it's saying nothing. And the amount of shit that it stretches or breaks canon, it, I'm, huh. I'm not, I'm, I'm probably going to stick it out because there's some sections that I like and I, and I do enjoy Ewan McGregor. I think I'm just little, enjoying Ewan. Little Leia is great. Yeah. I'm enjoying Ewan McGregor's acting a lot. Yeah. Uh, and little Leia is uh, like the definition of precocious, right? Like, mm -hmm. isn't that precocious? I think that's what it means. Yes. And then also there's um, the 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 lady who's the uh, fake imperial uh, officer. Oh yeah, Lyria Sand. I don't know yeah. what the actress's name. The actress is great. You know, she was in Rome. I know she was in Game of Thrones. I believe you. Yeah, she was in Lyria Sand. That's that's the, oh, okay. that, that's one of those uh, phonemes I was spreading before. That's not the actress's names. I don't I don't know the name of anybody. Oh. I'm shocked I remembered you and McGregor, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's because I re reminded you of And frankly, wait, now that I think about it, her first name might not even be Illyria. It is Illyria Sand. No, that, that is in fact her. And she is played by, oh, Indira Varma. This would have been way better if you could have done that in, in a, your Bimo voice. What did Bimo sound like? Wait, hold on. He said, Bimo sounds vaguely... Yeah, it's like a Korean lady. Vaguely Korean. Yeah. Well, it's done by a Korean lady, and that's the... Um, is it the same person who does this Lady Rainicorn? I don't have that knowledge. Okay. The, we might want to, maybe this would be something that would be good for uh, our future episodes is... Uh, no uh, fuck all about Adventure Time? Because well, I'm not maybe, willing to do that. <laughs> maybe we could start to accrue some Adventure Time uh, trivia. Although it's very mm. possible that we will have lots of irate fans writing to us about Adventure Time and teaching us trivia through this. That would be nice. I and, mean, just to have fans would be great. So it just it does remind me though, like in season one, episode one, in Slumber Party Panic, it has this great ending scene where 
you know, Princess Bubblegum is like, Finn, what did you learn about breaking promises? And Finn's like, I learned that if you break a royal promise, you get to stop time. You get to challenge the gumball guardians. Yeah. And then in the end, everybody comes back to life. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wonderful message. Did I say this before? My favorite thing is, and it's such a dumb line, and, and if I said this earlier, you're not going to hear this because I'm editing. Where did you guys, welcome to the candy foyer, or foyer, <laughs> sorry. I just, the candy foyer is such a, it's such a dumb, I, my enjoyment of things is basically picturing myself in the writer's room uh-huh. and then just finding it just delightful to be, <laughs> the candy foyer is so good. Like they, like if they had said candy vestibule, like yeah. the same thing, I'm just like, this is so great. The th- one of the things that really disturbed me about this episode is like, so oh, what is the, what is the stupid potion called? The relificator or whatever. The, yeah, something like that. The yeah. undeathification yeah. formula that Princess Bubblegum is giving to the dead candy people. And they come back to life and they're like, candy, they want to eat sugar. sugar they want to yeah. go eat candy people. And then at the end, Finn tricks the living candy people into putting blindfolds on and uh, pretending that they're attacking pinatas. And they kill all the candy zombies who fall to the ground and spill open their guts and it's all candy. And the candy people are all down on the ground yeah. digging into these candy zombie guts, eating the candy zombies. And I was watching that and being like, this is the most fucked up ecosystem in the world. Basically, <laughs> candy people eat candy and are made out of candy. Yeah. And they don't really seem to give a shit if they're eating the same kind of candy that, like, their neighbor is. Well, here's – okay. So here – let me break this down. One thing – this is part of the – what I love sets up for later in the show because that kind uh-huh. of existential horror while being a kid show ostensibly is, is – goes on through the whole thing and finding oh, that yeah. in the first episode – but I was just say this, oh, Mr. Candophobe, oh, Mr. <laughs> Anti-Candy Bigot. Uh, hey, we're, you and I, what are we made out of? Carbon. We're made out of meat. No, we're made out of carbon. Yes. What is everything we eat made out of? Carbon. Carbon. It's true. Oh, okay. look at you. <laughs> oh, just because it's different from me. Wait, speaking of different from me, is this? This segment is called Alex has a Segway. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's 100%. We're still talking about the same episode just slightly earlier. Okay, it. okay. Is this a weird race joke? Where they talk Mr. Cupcake, the muscle cupcake guy, in a game of truth or dare to take his wrapping off. And they're like, ooh, I didn't know he was chocolate. I didn't know he was chocolate. Is that that like kind of like a... I think that every time I see the episode, and I don't think it's intended to be a race joke at all. I mean, if it is, it's not particularly offensive, because there's no, like, there's no, like... There's no judgment. Uh, Yeah, yeah, and there's no, like, stereotyping. It's just literally, oh, I didn't know you were chocolate. Yeah. But it's, it's an odd... And, and maybe it's the in, internalized prejudice that I grew up with. But I feel like you could oh, I didn't know he was vanilla. think makes it slightly less awkward. Or, um, you know, I'm someone that's way too oversensitive about the shit. Yeah, yeah. I, it every I kind of <laughs> always think that I'm being a little oversensitive about it. But it does make me think of, some, you know, so in the Adventure Time universe, there are, you know, four elements in the material world yeah in the magical world right there's candy slime salt ice mercury (laughs) what are they sandy or candy slime ice and fire yes and in the first couple episodes you get introduced to a few of those you know you meet uh you meet slime princess and the ice king in like the second or third episode lumpy space princess isn't so so lumps the, the lumpy space princess thing she comes from another dimension Oh, that's right. I remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. We, yeah. I, 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 the episodes are so short. You can just easily binge watch tons and tons and tons of them at once. And so 
I did watch, you know, I, I watched uh, Adventure Time right before I came over to record. So I watched, you know, but I watched like four episodes instead of just one. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Um, I, I enjoyed the show. Greatly. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, what, uh, what other parts of episode one is there to discuss? Well, discuss, I, discuss. So, so we already mentioned that a lot of really longstanding characters show up, even though their story arcs aren't really well developed until later. Uh, it's really interesting to see that they were there early on. And in fact, the cinnamon bun guy. Yeah. He's one of the dead people that's uh, brought back to life. That's right. Yeah, because they call him old cinnamon bun. Yeah. In, in that first scene where she's resurrecting the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he becomes a regular character. Yeah. Is, is Peppermint Butler in that episode? I no, remember. I did not yeah. see Peppermint Butler. But I'm going to be watching for his first appearance because Peppermint uh, Butler is kind of my favorite. Well, he becomes, a, you know, an occultist over oh, the course yeah. of the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, he uh, is the ceremonial magician yeah. in that show. It's um, so weird, the level of odd that this show gets to the fact that we're talking about ceremonial magician mm -hmm. you know uh, ribbon candy (laughs) yeah yeah and the thing that uh that i think that makes because i mean i feel like every time we podcast together we end up talking about adventure time yeah but one of the things that's so amazing about it is it's it is a really really rich world that they create across you know dimensions and planets and all of this stuff and it's really heartbreaking yes it's oh a, yeah, it gets it gets emotional as as yeah. the show uh, goes on, and you start to understand the universe that you, that you're living in. Mm-hmm. We should tell the audience though. Um, again, there's chances that people have not heard this stuff before. Uh, Eric and I, five years ago, let's uh-huh. say four years ago, it was five. Uh, met up to do a, a Halloween episode wherein oh that was probably four. We. Uh, did a ritual that was put forth on it during adventure time mm-hmm. to try to summon a cartoon demon. So that is available on uh, the Alex cast feed and the Arnomancy feed. I will uh, put links to the show notes. Oh yeah. That but was if, a good one. If you're here inexplicably for the seven other people that are into occultism <laughs> and adventure time, uh, that this is, this is uh, an episode that we did a few years ago, which also gives our bona fides because uh-huh. uh, we were there because we've been ago. talking about adventure time and occultism for a very long time. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously more than four, because uh, we both had to know that we were both at Adventure Time. Um, This reminds me of something. So um, uh, so Keats asked for an update on the weird occult triangle or whatever we were calling it. He he tweeted at us. Yes. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the tweet said, but it reminded me of a couple of things. It reminded me, first of all, of our Adventure Time summoning ritual in Lad's Edition, but it also reminded me of... um, I recently, uh, there's this local webcomic called Modest Medusa that I've been reading for a while. And the author of Modest Medusa was writing about how he lives in what he thinks is a haunted neighborhood. And this neighborhood isn't Lad's Edition, but it is between Division and Powell. But it would be, it, it's it's way the hell out there where Hawthorne doesn't exist anymore. Oh, okay. Or is it Division and something north? Anyhow, I was looking at the map. I was like, man... It, that definitely looks like a haunted neighborhood. It's got lots of weird. It's 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 probably out around like 160th or something like that. Oh, okay. Lots of yeah, weird little twisty streets. Yeah. yeah, I I don't I know that area a little bit because I've house sat out there and walked around quite a bit. But uh, uh, it just reminded me that Portland has a lot of haunted spaces. Yeah. So to be fair, Lads isn't haunted 
so much as I just invented an entire mythology around this this area. It oh, was no. literally designed it's to haunted. be is designed to be like a uh, beautiful uh, walking area for for kind of uh, middle class people. Yeah, but it's haunted. Yeah, I mean, but that's just me saying that. No, no, no. You're not the only one. Well, that's just because people get scared of stuff. I've been living here for a long time, and oh well, yeah, it's haunted as fuck. It's haunted but, by Alex. Yeah. Well, if you look at it's a lads edition in in Portland, Oregon. If you ever want to look up a map of that, it's this weird hyper sigil neighborhood that is yeah. fucking like. If you look at that and show it to anybody that's part of QAnon, they're gonna think we're sacrificing babies at the center. Yeah, but we don't. We only sacrifice grown up people. Yeah, and we sacrifice babies on the northwest corner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. We're not savages. Wait, is that the food cart's corner? Yeah, fuck if I know. I mean, wink. (laughs) Wink. It is the food cart's corner, yes. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, um, food's got to be made of something. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for our brand new amazing segment called, Hey, look at this shiny rock I found. I think it might be. Yeah, shiny rock sounds cool. I was going to say, hey, look at this cool rock I found, but I think shiny shiny is better. I think it's, we're going to call it a shiny rock. Yeah. Okay. Or we're going to forget. So anyway, uh, hey, look at the shiny rock I found is, of course, a segment wherein I tell you guys about um, one, I tell you all about trying to get better about not saying guys. Interesting words or facts I've run into since last episode. Now, since last episode- Is this episode, one going to be about octopus penises? Um, no, but I could give you an octopus fact. Uh, word-based fact let's go with your original fact okay and if we need an octopus fact we can throw it in there later so i have four different words that i've that i want to tell you about okay maybe not all four two are related one is kind of weird so a b or c a a onomatomania onomatomania is when or do you want to guess first this is better yeah what do you think that word means okay hold on ono Ono macho mania. Gosh, no idea. No idea. So onomatomania is when you become obsessed with a word or you start overly using a word, a shitload. Onomatomania. Yeah. Oh my God. I want to have onomatomania for that word. Yes. Onomatomania is is an absolutely terrific word. Uh, I should say that I put this list together of... Vaguely, I wanted to start with like word, wordy words. Uh-huh. So the wordy words uh, made me think of this other one. I had automatomania for the word lethologica when I was younger. Lethologica, words that make you go to sleep? Ooh, close. Yeah, because no, but same same root for the river, the uh-huh, river uh-huh. leaf or leafier uh-huh. pronounce it. Lethologica is uh, when you can't remember the word you're trying to think of. Oh, fuck. So the the river having its forgetful properties and not its sleeping properties. Okay. So if you're experiencing lethological, <laughs> but I found that word amazing because at one point I was trying to tell a friend about it and I fucking spaced out on the word. I oh. literally had lethologica <laughs> about lethologica, which led to a bit of onomatomania because I'm like, that is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I literally forgot the word for when you forget the word. It is, it is a delicious, delicious bit of irony. I love both of those. Yes. Those are good. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to give you one more because it's very related. Maybe two more. Okay. Okay. What do you think lethanomia means? Lethanomia would be name forgetting? Exactly. Yeah. But okay. When you can't think of someone's name. Oh, I have that problem a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I frequently indulge in lethanomia. Yes. I, much like our earlier conversation where we're talking about uh, our pop culture stuff where I'm like, I don't know the name of any actress. Oh. I don't have yeah. I know it's Elyria <laughs> Sand. Sorry. <laughs> That's I, I have a joke with my roommate. So my roommate, uh, 
and I had a have a have a bubble friend who started coming over. It was like the only person we would let into our uh, shared space at the beginning through through the pandemic. And we have this joke. So he would basically come over once a week and we'd watch TV shows or whatever. And we have that joke where there's one of those familiar actors that shows up on a TV show. You know, like they get yeah. hired to do supporting actors in like one episode a lot. And everybody's like, oh, my God, it's that guy. Or it's that girl. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the that guy actor. Yeah, that's yeah, what everybody's we call him too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. All right, I'm going to give you the last one just because I, I made the list. And this is not okay. going to be an every episode thing that I give this many because Oh, no, it's I'm every lazy. episode now. It's a segment. I don't know. If, no, that's fine. But I don't know if I could do four every episode. Okay. Because the fourth, uh, I just, I found this so great. Do you know why we call the and sign? You know what it's called? The ampersand? Do you know why it's called that? No. So it originally was part of the English alphabet uh-huh. came in, coming after Z. And it was called the and sign. But since everybody spoke Latin in, in elementary or in, uh, uh, you know, academia back then, say X, Y, Z and per se and and per se and ampersand. Ouch. And that's literally, no, that's not me making a jump joke. No, that's where no, ampersand I mean, came from. That's, yeah. that's a painful etymology. I feel kind of sorry for that word. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> it's, it's just sm- mushing words together. And you know about the octothorpe. Yes, because uh, that was when there was a cloning accident with the uh, athlete Jim Thorpe, uh-huh. and eight of them ended up fighting each other to the death. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the one who who survived had, you know, one of those weird shaped bruises on his I know Thorpe has something to do with Jim Thorpe, but I, no, I don't remember Octothorpe. <laughs> Octothorpe is the hash sign. No, I know. But I mean, it's, its origin, I think, was at like IBM Labs or something. And I think somebody just really liked Jim Thorpe, so they called it Octothorpe. Cause really? They thought it's a, yeah, I mean, I could be... I thought it was a much older... Could be miles off. That. that was that was what I heard, because... Um, I mean, it's a really good story. Well, I mean, fuck it. I've got, I've got the world's repository of knowledge in front of me. Are you going to ruin this for us? Jim, yep. Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. Octothorpe. Okay, so... The first thing says origin unknown, but I sure I heard this somewhere. <laughs> oh, no, actually, uh, the uh, Wiktionary... Thorpe could be a reference to Jim Thorpe as uh, one uh, as one proponent of the original terminology was a fan of Jim Thorpe. Huh. So, I th- but I think they just called it hash or something like that or pound sign. Yeah, I think pound sign actually may have come later as well. Well, it was used as a pound sign for a long time, I believe. I think hash is new. Or hash might be new. I don't know. Maybe that will be next episode's shiny rock. Yeah, it's looking up uh, hashtags and ampersands. Yeah. Okay, and now, hold on. It's time for another new uh, new segment. Another new segment? Yes. You watched like the entire episode. This is episode one. <laughs> Every segment's a new yeah. segment. <laughs> this segment is called, What Are We Working On? So, Alex, what are you working on? Are you writing any novels right now? Are you working well, on I'm... a collection of short stories? Or... Yes. So I'm working on three things at the moment. Uh, one is I'm trying to finish up a short story that I'm not going to go into because it would give away the entire thing, but just a like hardcore character piece. I just started work on this sci-fi novel that I've been, it's been percolating in the back of my head and I started putting words down together. It like just chunks and kind of ideas and just basically, I'm just trying to build the kind of uh, feeling of the piece before I put it down any words that anybody might ever see. Uh, but the main thing is I've talked about this for fucking years at this point. I've been working on a novel, a, a follow-up novel. And oh, to Periphery. Yeah. Uh, not Well, I mean, it's got nothing to do with Periphery, but a follow-up novel in that the next thing that came out was a short story collection. Ah. 
my novel Periphery and uh, short story collections called The Terror of Auto Machine and other stories. All available on Amazon. Uh, buy things, yay. But uh, the next one I'm doing is this kind of magical piece uh, that is you know, basically, you know, I, I like to write in magical realism, or, or at least that's what it turns out to be kind of in the end. It's just, I write the stories I want to write it and they just have to somewhat overlap with that, that description. So I've been working on this since, man, like even towards the end of Periphery, I was writing words for it. And that was nine years ago at this point. And I had a huge stall and I think I finally broke what was bothering me about it. So I've been putting words down again for that. Uh, right now it's called Intention, which, because it's a magical piece, you know, the intention mm-hmm. of magic, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm not sure if that's what's going to come out because... I find that title somewhat annoying, but I also found the title Periphery somewhat annoying and then <laughs> ended up being the title. But yeah, I'm 40 something thousand words in and nice. I like writing short novels. So I, I'm not that far away from having what I like to call the vomit draft. You know, the, Oh, that's all, exciting. All the words are in, in a sequence. The story is told. I bounced it off of a uh, super fan, Steph quick, because uh, mm-hmm. I just needed somebody else to read it. And all the stuff I was concerned with, she didn't pick up on. And then the things that, you know, so it was it was quite a gratifying response from her of all positive and any kind of concern she had. I'm like, oh, those, oh you didn't notice? Cool. Fuck yeah. Because most of the times <laughs> I have problems with anything I write is it's just, I you know, the author is the only one that's ever going to know that. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know. I think Steph Quick tweeted at us and suggested some segments also. Uh, yeah, it was baking and gardening. Uh, yeah. Magic, yeah. Which I know. I know very little about baking and then almost nothing about gardening. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, I can make some amazing drop biscuits. But aside from that, I'm not really much of a baker. I've never I, – I, yeah, so that that wouldn't be a good segment for us. Yeah, I've made cookies a few times. That's about my baking Yeah, I can bake cookies too. Yeah. I, yeah, but from a box. Yes. I uh, know I made I made it from scratch once. I mean, they weren't worth the effort, but it was mm-hmm. – they tasted like cookies. So yeah. I did they – it was successful in that it wasn't black mush in the middle of a pan. It was, it was cookie-like. It's funny because I really, really enjoy cooking. And I do cook things in Dutch ovens from time to time, but I don't really bake much. Yeah. So, sorry, Steph. You should have asked about birds. We sure. could have had a segment about birds. He knows about birds. All yeah. right, so uh, that's what I'm working on. What are you working on? Well, uh, I've already talked about the Agrippa Project, and um, that's coming along well, and I... Uh, even though I've been struggling with it a lot, I, I think I'm getting really close to done. It's just going to, I have to treat it more like a job than something that's like, yes, this is so much fun. You know, I have to like really sit down and work on it, which happens with every project if you want yeah. to finish it. I've also been working on, uh, I've, the, I'm still learning and I'm not really making anything amazing yet, but I'm, I'm learning how to make music, songs. I'm learning how to make songs using a digital audio workstation, MIDI keyboard, all that kind of stuff. So I've been working on that. I haven't made huge amounts of progress, but I've made one song that I thought that was pretty good. I've done a lot of stuff involving um, kind of like playing with MIDI and transcribing MIDI and things like that. So that's kind of probably the most unusual thing that I've been working on lately. So for instance, I put together the song, our, our, our theme song for the podcast, which I haven't done yet, but by the time our listeners are hearing this, they will have already heard the intro music okay. and are probably just about to hear the outro music. Yeah. So I was about to be like, oh, do I have to act now? Being like, oh, yeah, I love that theme song, especially the part where it's... Anyway, I do... <laughs> I'll fill that part. No, no. There. I think it's okay if our... Uh, you know, I mean, this is our first episode. Uh, the pieces to the whole podcast assemblage are slowly coming together and... Yeah. 
you know, the theme song, I have a big chunk of it in my head and I've been practicing stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, creating it. Hopefully it's good. Who knows? Yes, it's going to be great. I, I've already heard it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I can lie to you. I don't know. I mean, technically, when the, when these words are spoken into their ears, it's true. Oh, I mean, uh, I just feel like if you say that it's fantastic now, then no matter what piece of crap I give you, you're still stuck with those words. Yeah, whatever. It's better than what I can do. <laughs> Interesting part about uh, season one, episode one of, of Adventure Time. I forgot about this, and I feel like it just goes away completely at some point. Is um, I'm going to I'm going to gesticulate to you here. Is okay. Princess Bubblegum's arms doing that? Popeye waveform snake thing. Yes. It happens for a while, and I feel like that kind of rubber band, Merry Melodies, Looney Tunes, I don't know which ones did it, but that it, sort of thing goes away. Yeah, yeah. I think, so in um, either episode two or three, Jake does this thing where he makes a fist, and the fist uh, departs from the normal animation style and is sort of like this ultra-realistic looking fist that grows big and big and big, and it has yeah. like big craggy fingers. It does like a Ren and, and Stimpy style thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember uh, I, I, my attention was called to it this time and I was sort of like, oh, they stopped doing that. So the, yeah. the animation style does like really tighten up and turn into something a little bit more cohesive. At some point, I think it happens during season one. I think at some point during season one, they Pendleton Ward must have realized that he wanted to do this for a while. Yeah, and that's, yeah, wavy things equals effort. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or even wavy things take away too much from what he's trying to do. Yeah. Because I think Adventure Time also may not have started off as serious. Like, I think I think it becomes pretty obvious in some ways that Pendleton Ward had a world that he'd built when he started doing Adventure Time. But I'm not sure how committed to it the writers and everything were, yeah. were at the beginning. Does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah, it's he's writing in a similar world to the one that we end, ends up being flushed out, but it's yeah. not, you know, he's not uh, there's because it becomes like kind of hard almost Marvel comics like canon towards the end. Yeah. And I think he just kind of sketched out he basically sketched out like the Marvel universe went, "Eh, this is where I play." And yeah. And he also like in in the early episodes in particular, he the, like the the sort of D&D parody or D&D satire yeah. is way more common. Like oh yeah, you, totally. You know, you hear Ice King referred to himself as a magic user. Yeah, Enchiridion, I think, is D&D, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, there's all sorts. Well, Enchiridion is a real book. Oh, is it? Well, yeah, sort of, in a way. Oh, I thought, no, I mean, I know what you mean. I thought it was purely a fictional, I thought it was Necronomicon. It's a purely fictional book. And a oh, no, no, there is a, there, it, is a, it is a real book. There oh, no, shit, a, okay, oh, I didn't know that. Um, but it's also like a legendary book term, you know, it, to- yeah, it yeah. sounds like a D&D thing. And they do all sorts of things that sound like D&D stuff, uh, I can't remember if they ever refer to things as like plus one or anything. Yeah, they like roll that. a d20. They don't get laid in high school. It's all, it's all, it's everything D and D. Demogorgon is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, oh, I totally lost the train. What were we talking about? <laughs> uh, adventure time. <laughs> well, I know we were talking about adventure time, but. No, it's just giving the adventure time. Adventure time. Oh, come on, grab your friends. That would, that'd be funny, uh, for this is how we had every episode is you just get confused and then you go, adventure time. And it ends. <laughs> Well, I'm okay with the episode being over now. Um, I feel like now is the time when we tell people yeah. that uh, they can find us on all the major podcasting platforms. Correct. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and um, um, I think that's it. Weibo and uh, Weibo. VK. What's our tag? Whizbiz Podcast. I think so. Uh, let me just confirm that. We're confirming this right now, but it's probably Whizbiz something. It's definitely Whizbiz something. But it's. I think it's. 
Oh, yeah, WizBiz Podcast. WizBiz Podcast. I wasn't sure if I had included the cast or not. That's, whether it was WizBiz Pod or WizBiz Podcast. Okay, so it's WizBiz Podcast. Podcast. That's yes. one Z and then another Z and then podcast like you expect it to be. Yeah, and no H. And no H. Yeah. Where would the H be? Quiz. Quiz? No, I said whiz. No, I know, but when you would say like cheese whiz, that's... Oh, no, is that no I, I, I would say cheese whiz. Uh, yeah, but, you know, you're like Ponzi. Look at, you know, oh, boy. Anyhow, this has been manners. fun. I, I enjoyed this. Uh, I would really... I, I look forward... Okay, so, listener, this is what we need from you. We want to know if you enjoy this our segments. If we should switch them up, please feel free to yell at us on yes. any social media outlet you want to. Uh, if you make us cry, we will include that segment again. Mm-hmm. Just as a warning. Yeah, we'll record ourselves uh, crying as well. We will. We will. I carry a recorder with me at all times. Yeah. So if I read the tweet and I start crying on the bus, I will record it. I'll sob your handle on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> 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 69s are hot. I can't believe you made fun of me. <laughs> Don't be sad, Stinky. Come with Daddy and I'll make it all better. Goodbye, Gunter. <laughs>